Good morning, everybody. How's it going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Welcome to church. Yeah. All right. Good morning to our friends in the family room. Good to see you guys over there. Nice cheer for the family room. Buddies. Awesome. Good to see you. Okay. So how many of you are wearing a jersey today? It's jersey weekend. Who's wearing a jersey? Don't raise your hand. Stand up. Be proud. Represent. Go ahead. Stand. Got a jersey? Stand up. Let's see who you are. All right, stay standing. I want to see you. You guys in the blocks, stay standing. Don't sit down. Uh, oh, you like mine? Yeah, pitchers and catchers report in two weeks. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. That's all right. Um, looks like we got more Niners jerseys than anything. Yay. I got to say the Giants will be playing again before the Niners are, so that's just that's a sad that's a sad thing for us Niners. Sorry, sorry, but you know, okay, never mind. Let's see, who's got a name on the back of their jersey? I know you got, I know you got like the 49 or something on the front. What's it? Who's on the back? Sweeney. Sweeney doesn't even play for the Athletics anymore. No, he doesn't. But you got. Why'd you pick Sweeney? Oh, you happen to know him? He's like your son-in-law. Ticket man. No, just. I know Sweeney's father-in-law, you know, whatever. Okay, yeah, that's good. Okay, that's a good reason to pick a name, right? Why do we have jerseys? So, like, why do you guys wear jerseys today? Because I told you to. Thank you very much. Obviously, not a lot of compliance out there, but all right, that's all right. Why do you have jerseys in your closet? Because you like jerseys. Yeah, it's my fashion statement. I'm wearing number 52. I, I, okay, I don't know. Here's... Here's how I think it goes. I don't know if this is true, but here's how I think it goes. I think when you wear a jersey, when, when a grown adult puts a jersey on, you're putting a stake in the ground to say, this is where I belong. When you put a jersey on with a name on the back, you're like, I identify with this player. I identify with this guy, with this team, with this, this city, whatever, and I belong here. Right? And I, I just think that's how it goes because we want to belong somewhere. So i got to show you my true colors, by the way. I'm into the Giants, but that's what it's all about. All right. Yeah, just so you know, okay? So begin, belong, become. That's kind of what it's all about for us. So we're wearing jerseys. It's Jersey weekend. There's sort of a game on this afternoon. Nobody cares, but there are commercials, which we do care about. So that's good. We're doing a series here at Lakeside called The Search to Belong. And here's my, here's my conviction about this. And my conviction about this has grown over the course of our conversation the last few weekends. My conviction is everybody is on a search to belong. Everybody wants to belong. And the more we talk about it, the more I'm realizing how, how much that permeates our whole culture. Us as individuals, us as a group. It just permeates who we are. And so people ask questions like, do I belong? And you're sitting in the midst of a whole crowd of people, and yet you can still say, do I belong? So I've been looking at the Internet a lot, just trying to figure out, you know, where are people in regard to this, and what's it feel like, and those kinds of things. I found some slides I want to show you of what I've seen. So this is an interesting one, belonging. I don't know if you read the bottom of this or not, but it says, National Day to End Bullying fascinating to me. We've been talking a lot in our community recently about bullying and that this group would, would choose the word belonging to describe what they're trying to do. 
to end bullying. Because truth be, what is any child who's being bullied or any adult who's being bullied, what do they want? They want to belong. Want to belong. Leave me alone and let me belong. Right? You ever think about the other side of that equation? Now, I'm not trying to equate those who are bullied with those who are doing the bullying, but I look at the ones who are doing the bullying, the bullies in the world. What do they want? Do you think they want to drive everyone away, or do you think they want to belong, but they just have no idea how to get there? That's what I think. I think they are like every other human being. They want to belong somewhere. Maybe they belong to a group of bullies or something, but they're trying to belong. They just don't know how to get there. Belonging. It's what we search for. Look at this one. Belonging. It's sort of it's sort of Cartesian philosophy. Rene Descartes, who's what was his deal? I think, therefore I am. That's not me. I think, therefore I'm confused. So I, you know, I don't get whole, his whole thing. But here, this is really a statement. We have a longing to be. And sometimes I think we feel like if I could belong, then I would be. If I'm part of a group, if other people welcome me, if they embrace me, if they make me part of them, if I belong, then I be. I belong, therefore I am. That makes a lot of sense to me. Or let me show you my favorite one. I don't know if that means anything, but that's a great picture right there. So I look around at Lakeside, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so we're on a search to belong together, and then we... Uh, look at all these opportunities around here at Lakeside and say, well, where do I connect? Where do I belong? Let's take that off because everyone's distracted. So, thank you. Yeah, now they're distracted too. So, we got all these different places and ways and spaces in which people can belong around here at Lakeside. And I just have been, again, watching those things and really being encouraged by the things that I'm seeing around us and among us as people are belonging and connecting to one another. Some really beautiful things. So, for example... This last week on Thursday, I believe, we had a memorial service for a good friend of mine named June Schroeder. She was a delightful lady and passed away. And we did a memorial service, and some of her friends came and spoke uh, at her service. And it was interesting how many of them said, I got connected to June through our Bible study. I, I, I belong to June's small group, and we got connected in the midst of that. I'm like, you know what? You get involved in a small group, it builds connection. You get involved in a small group of some kind, a Bible study of some kind, and it builds belonging for you. And we'll see that as we walk through Scripture in a little bit. There's just this belonging that comes because we're in a group together, a smaller group. Sometimes the big group like this, the public space, but sometimes in the more personal space of a small group. We started a group. Uh, last fall, and then it took a hiatus over Christmas, and then it started up again this last Wednesday. It's called Men's Frat Party. It's really, it's not really called that. Hello? Hello? It's called Men's Fraternity. Six o'clock on Wednesday mornings is way too early for a frat party. Okay, I, I wrote that one up. I thought it was funny when I wrote it up. But anyway, I can't win them all. Hey, I'll do the jokes. No, so we got this men's fraternity going at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock on Wednesday morning. There's 100 guys coming out at 6 o'clock on Wednesday mornings over in the block, and they're talking about, like, touchy-feely stuff, which is why the other 800 men around here aren't, aren't there, I suppose. I don't know. But it's really interesting. It's really interesting to watch a bunch of guys who know they want to belong. They're not hiding behind a wall. They're not hiding behind a curtain. 
They're going, I want to belong. I want to be connected. I want God to do real stuff in my heart. And so a bunch of them have come to this thing called men's fraternity to say, hey, let's just get honest about it. Let's get real about it. Let's just see what God has for us. It's amazing. And guys, I'm not, I'm not saying something if you're not there because I know a lot of you can't make it at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, but there's just some great stuff going on with that. And I'm really pleased with how that's working. One of the ways we have as a church to be able to belong together is through um, serving together. In fact, I believe maybe the strongest connector in our spiritual journey is not through prayer. The strongest connector in our spiritual journey is not through Bible study. The strongest connector in our spiritual journey is not necessarily in being in the, in the main gathering in the church together. I think the strongest bond that we have of belonging in the church is when we serve Christ together. There's something about serving Christ together that builds connections. And it draws us together and it makes us tight with one another. We put a website together now. On our, on our website, there's a page that says uh, opportunities to belong. And if you go on that and you go, hey, I just, I want to find out where I might be able to, uh, excuse me, opportunities to serve. When you go on that opportunities to serve page, you look at all these areas where you can serve at Lakeside and every one of those is an opportunity not just to serve, but to belong. Thursday night, we're going to host a Women in Leadership Forum here at Lakeside. It's not just for women. It's for anyone who wants to hear about this. We're going to talk about the roles that women play in the church and what does that look like and where's Lakeside going with this. And we're just going to have a conversation about it. That's another area where you might say, hey, I want to belong in that. Last fall, we sent a team to uh, Cambodia. We sent a mission team to Cambodia said, we want we want to be able to serve a group there in Cambodia. It was another place where some of our lakesiders connected with one another and found that they had this great, uh, intimate belonging with one another through what they did. So, Carl, why don't you come up? This is Carl Rettinger. He's going to help talk about what we did there. Carl. What, Carl, what kind of jersey is that? Anybody know what kind of jersey this is? Folsom, Folsom yeah, Folsom, that's oh, right. Folsom Lacrosse. Yeah. Do you play? <laughs> Not very well, but I coach. <laughs> oh, you co- you coach very well. Hmm. Well, I'm so well, sorry. You, you set it up. Our so. team does well. Oh, they do well. Okay, yeah. so good. All right, that's all about yeah. the coach. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, we we sent some people to Cambodia to serve a group there. Tell us, what was the mission of that mission trip? Sure. We have a mission partner called Agape International Missions that we've been working with for the last several years, and they work with. Cambodia and actually across Southeast Asia to get girls out of uh, trafficking uh, at the source as well as helping them to transition into uh, a normal life. So everything from counseling, a place to live, life skills, education, and giving them actual jobs to help them build a skill set. And so to be clear, they're not getting girls out of trafficking, they're getting them out of being trafficked. Right? They're, exactly. Yeah, they're not the perpetrators, they're the victims in this crime. Correct. So the, the staff at AIM works with them. What what did we send a team to do? We weren't rescuing girls or anything. That's correct. So we, uh, uh, Steve Wright, about a year ago, asked AIM staff, hey, how can we partner with you? How can we uh, serve you guys? What do you need? And they said, the thing that we really, really need is on our staff, marriages are 
Now, yes, it handled a lot of pressure because our staff is constantly working with girls who are uh, having trauma, and so they have trauma and stress, and so their marriages are really falling apart. Yeah. So they, we said, well, <laughs> what does that look like? How can we help you? And, and we said, what we really need is a marriage counselor. So we sent a team over there to do a marriage conference. Why don't we just get volunteers? Like, hey, you guys, volunteer to do a marriage conference in Cambodia. Yeah, no, that's not what we did. Uh, that's not. Uh, I know. Shocking. Crazy. I know. We uh, we actually we went to our marriage ministry team and said, here's the need. Here's what we're thinking. What do you What do you want to do with this? So we pulled the old switcheroo. We said to our people that volunteered to do marriage help here at Lakeside. We said, thanks for volunteering for that. Now we're going to send you overseas. Exactly. So oh, that's what we did. You help out with uh, guest services or something. You may be opening the door and greeting people here next week, but here's Cambodia. Right on. That's, that's kind of how that goes. Glad you signed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so tell us, how we how did we draft this team that went to do this marriage conference? Right. So we, we kind of came up with, what are the needs? What, what needs do we have in our team? And let's look for people who have those spiritual gifts, those passions, those uh, the competency for the different roles that um, need to be filled, and let's look for those people and approach them and invite them in as part of our team. Beautiful. So they went, did the marriage conference. What's been the outcome, both for the people in Cambodia and for our team? Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience to be able to represent our Lakeside Church family. Uh, to these missionaries who some are Westerners, some are Cambodians, um, but to really incredibly bless them and just show them that they are loved and cared for, to exhort them, to encourage them, and see the change in their marriage and hear the stories in a relatively short amount of time of skills that they learned and just really bring hope into some broken relationships. Carl, thanks for doing that. Thanks for leading and helping us out. It was a great gift that our team was able to give to their team over there, really beautiful. And it was a beautiful place for our group to be able to belong to one another, be connected to one another as well. Part of that was because they were shaped, as Carl was describing. And so we have a shape workshop coming up a week from today, next Sunday afternoon. We're going to do a shape workshop. SHAPE is an acrostic that stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. We believe God has shaped every single one of us who is a follower of Christ. God has shaped us to be able to serve and care for others. And he shaped us in unique ways. My shape is not like yours. Yours is not like the person who's next to you. You might might not be shaped to help marriages and encourage them here or in Cambodia, but somehow God has shaped you to be able to serve and care for others. Next weekend, next Sunday, we're going to have a workshop just to describe for you and help you search out what does that look like for you and how God might want to use you. Don't say, if I go to that workshop, they're going to send me to Asia. No, we might send you to Africa. Or I don't, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I just want you to figure out what your shape is so you can see how God wants to use you. And then we'll see what that looks like as we go down the road. Okay, so that's next Sunday. We're going to look into scripture together here in the next minute, couple of minutes. And uh, before we get to that, I want to pray together with you guys. So let's pray first. Father in heaven, thanks for your goodness to us, your kindness to us. Thank you that you have shaped us. 
uh, in ways where we are able to serve one another. That's amazing. And in that shape, you have provided a way for us to belong to one another. And that's amazing. And Lord, I believe we are all on a search to belong. So as we look into your scripture, would you lead us, guide us into what is true, uh, guide us into how you want to steer us in our spiritual journey, our search to belong today. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last week I invited you to become a Christian environmentalist. If you were with us, you remember that. A Christian environmentalist, not someone who's like, save the planet. It's more like, save the world. Like, save the people that are in the world. But it's not because you make green choices or you don't make green choices. I'm not really talking about that. That's all wonderful. But what I'm really talking about is, are you the kind of person who creates environments where other people find it easier and easier to choose to follow Jesus with you? Are you creating environments where other people find it easier and easier to choose to follow Jesus with you? That's a Christian environmentalist, someone who creates environments. And so last week we talked about that a little bit. I want to talk about it a little bit further today. And I want to begin by going back to where we started last week in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So if you have your Bible and you want to look, look along with this, you can, Acts chapter 2, or you can just listen as I read this for you. Here's what happened in the very first church in the early days of Jesus' church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So it starts off with, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to these four things. The apostles' teaching, or scripture, and to fellowship, which means serving together, and to the Lord, and to the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, and sharing meals together. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And what you find is, devotion creates belonging. Devotion creates belonging. I found this out in accidental ways. So uh, I, am, I am a member, not like a registered member. I don't have a membership form. I never applied for this somehow, but I'm a member of two vehicular clubs. Yeah, one of them, one is a motorcycle club. My wife and I have motorcycles and we like to ride them together. We have like cruisers. They're sort of like Harley wannabes. They're not Harleys, but if you didn't know, you'd say, oh, that's a Harley. You think we ride Harleys. So I think mine's a I think they're both Kawasaki's, as a matter of fact. And, you know, that's cool. But they're still cool. They're really cool. And so I, I didn't sign up for this or anything. We just decided we were going to devote ourselves to riding these motorcycles whenever we had some free time. And so we get out the first day. We're out there riding around on the highway or whatever. And these other motorcyclists came toward us. Now, if you don't ride a motorcycle, you might not know this happens. But when motorcycles cross paths, motorcycle riders cross paths with one another, they wave. You know that? They wave. Now, you don't really see it when you're driving a car because no motorcyclist goes down the road and goes, hey, because your arm would rip off. It's painful. You don't, you, that's not good. So what motorcyclists do when they want to greet one another on the highway, they give the low five. I mean, you got to be cool. You got to keep one hand on the handlebar because you're driving, doing the throttle and all that, but the other hand, you're like. You can't look them in the eye, because if you look them in the eye, you'll probably crash the bike. So it's like, you, you know they're coming, so just stick your hand down, do the wave, and then keep on riding. And you're part of the club. And all these other motorcycle riders, they see you coming, they do the low five wave. The coolest club ever. I'm riding down the highway, I'm like, I belong. It's awesome. Then, a few years ago, I, I, and so I devoted myself to motorcycle riding. And then a few years ago, I devoted myself to driving a Mini Cooper. 
drive, you know, it's got this little mini, and I drive that around town, and the first day I had it, I was driving around, and I saw somebody else in a Mini Cooper, and I'd seen him before, nothing ever happened to me, but this particular day, this other guy did the Cooper wave. It's not like, it's not like the low five wave, because you can't see that behind the dashboard of a car, right? You gotta get your hand up, so, so most of the Mini drivers, what I found out is they got their hands on the steering wheel, and they just did the steering wheel wave. So I'm driving my Mini the first day, I see this other guy in a Mini, he's like, I'm like, did I know? I know a lot of people in town, right? It's like, did I know that person? Then I'm driving a little later. The same guy I saw another mini, and there's another guy, and he's like, gives me the wave. I'm like, I belong. I didn't apply. I didn't fill out an application form. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just devoted myself to driving those two vehicles, and the other people that drive those vehicles said, you belong. Devotion creates belonging. And devotion to a church creates belonging. Devotion to the public worship gatherings in a church creates belonging. Devotion to a small group creates belonging. Devotion creates belonging. Devotion to your jersey creates belonging. See how that works. So the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So my question for you is, are you developing the devotional life of a belonger? You're developing the jersey life of a belonger. You're developing the driving life of a belonger. Are you developing the devotional life of a belonger? And that's what the first church was doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's our devotional life that helps us belong. So I want to just talk about one of those four things today a little bit. I want to talk about the idea of devoting yourselves to prayer. And when you devote yourself to prayer, it creates belonging between you and God and between you and other people in God's family. So again, if you have your copy of the scriptures out, turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in this town called Colossae. And Paul just lays out for them this devotion. He says this, uh, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, straight up, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Some of you go, well, of course. I'm a Christ follower. I pray. You know, I drive on the freeway. I pray. I mean, that, that just kind of goes for some of you. But some of you go, oh, yeah, that's okay. Devote yourself to prayer. But that's for the really spiritual people. And I don't really know how to pray. Or I've tried prayer and I'm not really good at prayer. You know, I don't, I don't know how to devote myself to prayer. Well, Paul gives some really clear, simple directions on how to devote yourself to prayer. He says, devote yourself to prayer being watchful. It's a word that just simply means keep alert. In the course of your life, keep alert for things that you might be able to pray for. I laugh sometimes in our small groups. We're like, hey, let's take prayer requests. So we go around the room. We've been talking for an hour about the things that are going on in our life. And then we go, hey, let's take prayer requests. And then we go around the same things we just talked about. If we were keeping alert in that group, we'd already know the things that we want to pray for because we're paying attention. 
We're watching. We're being watchful. When you're in a conversation with someone, you can be watchful for things to pray for. When you're at a Super Bowl party this afternoon and someone tells you what's going on in their life, you can be alert. You don't have to stop right now and go, let's pray. That might be weird at a Super Bowl party. It might not be weird, but you don't have to do that. You just go, oh, I know. Here's something that I can pray for this person about. You're just watching. You're being alert to that. You're watching television this week and a news flash comes on. You go, oh, I'm alert to this. I can pray for this in that person's life or in that group's life or in that nation's life. Be alert to those things. Be watchful. Keep watchful about those things that you could pray for. Be watchful and thankful. Literally, the word is practice thanksgiving. Practice it. Practice giving thanks. Prayer is not a nonstop monologue of asking. Sometimes we get to God like we feel like we're like a child in Santa's lap in December. You got 90 seconds, kid. Tell him everything you want. Sometimes we get him in God's lap like, God, God, I don't have very much time, but here's everything I want. We rattle off this whole list of things that we want from God. Prayer is not a nonstop monologue of asking. Sometimes beautiful prayer is simply stopping and saying, God, I just give you thanks in the midst of this. Whether the midst of this is a beautiful thing or whether it's a horrible thing, you can't, you can't be thankful for every horrible thing that comes in your life, but you can give thanks in the midst of every horrible thing that comes in your life. Because you can recognize God's sovereignty, you can recognize God's goodness, even in the midst of the tragedies that come into your life, even the challenges that come into your life. You can stop and give thanks to God in the midst of those things. Be watchful for what you can pray for. Be thankful. Practice thanksgiving for those things in your life. And then he says, and pray for us that a door would open up for us for the gospel. And then he says, oh, and by the way, why don't you you live wisely toward outsiders? So now he's talking not just about those who are Christ followers, but he's saying, pray for an open door for the gospel to go to people that are not yet Christ followers. He's saying, pray for me. I'm an apostle. My job is to bring the good news to other people. Pray for me that a door opens up for me. And then he says, oh, make sure you live wisely in your own life so the door will open up for you as well. Now we're talking about praying, not just being watchful for what other people need. Not just giving thanks for the things that God or in the things that God has put into your life, but also opening a door that the gospel goes forward through you and through others. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, there's different spaces in which you can devote yourselves to prayer. You would find, I'm not going to read this for you, it's just a short statement, but in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Weird. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. I hate lonely places. You know, I was, if I ever get time by myself, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And then I realize who company, whose company I'm in. It's like this lonely space is not so great after all. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely spaces to pray. It doesn't mean he was lonely. It means he went by himself. See, Jesus Christ needed time alone with his Father. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need time alone with your Father. You need him. 
And I know a lot of us pray in all kinds of busy activities, and there's nothing wrong with praying in the middle of busy activities, but every now and then it's wise to stop and go, I'm just going to have some alone time between me and my Father in heaven. Because that shapes me, and that builds my connection, my belonging to the Father. Where do you have time where you are building your devotional life as a belonger to Christ? Where you say, for these three minutes, for these five minutes, for whatever these minutes are, I'm going to take some time and I'm just going to be God and me. That shapes us. That's what Jesus did. We talked a couple weeks ago about the different spaces in our life where you can belong. The public spaces like this, the social spaces, the personal spaces, and the intimate spaces. Praying alone between you and the Father is where you can bare your heart to God. Intimate, it's an intimate space of belonging. There are more public or more social spaces of belonging as well. You see a story of that in Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 tells the story of Paul leaving Asia and going over to Europe, first missionary trip into the continent of Europe. And uh, in Acts 16, verse 13, it tells the story of Paul going into Europe and then landing in the city of Philippi. It says this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Here's prayer in a social setting, in a public setting. Paul gets into Philippi and he finds out his pattern was he would go into a city and he would go to the synagogue where the Jewish people would be and he would give the gospel to them first. And then if they responded or they didn't respond to it, he would move on to the Gentiles and say, let me, let me bring the gospel to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people also. But in this particular town, there weren't enough Jewish men there to create a synagogue. It took ten men to create a synagogue. There weren't enough. So the women got together, and they went down to the river, and they had this place of prayer there. And Paul knew that's how it would be, because this social gathering was a custom around the Roman Empire. So he goes down to the place of prayer, and he finds these women. One of them was named Lydia. She was a seller of purple cloth, which meant, which meant she was a well-to-do merchant. And she was a God-fearer. It says here in, in the New International Translation, she was a worshiper of God. That was a technical term for Gentiles who loved and honored the Hebrew God, Yahweh. So here she is. She's not Jewish, but she's worshiping the Jewish God, and she's praying to him with these other people. And Paul talks to her, and she puts her faith in Jesus. What happened? The Colossians were praying for them, and Paul said, remember to pray for an open door? So he gets to Philippi, and God opens a door. Now there's people that are coming to faith in Christ in Philippi, because God answered their prayer. And Lydia puts her faith in Christ, because that door was open for the gospel. And her household put their faith in Christ. Some of you know what the Greek word for household is, I bet. It's oikos. We talk about it all the time. It's like God has put 8 to 15 people in your life, and he wants you to love and serve and care for them. And here's Lydia's oikos. And she didn't coerce them to come to faith, but she came to faith in Christ. And then her household, her network, her oikos came to faith in Christ also. And they all got baptized as a statement of their faith in Jesus. 
cannabinoid cocktails, just like Lydia. She's in this public space. Some of her family, some of her household was probably with her in that public space praying together. And the gospel came in, and they responded to the gospel about Jesus, and they put their faith in him, and their network changed. The nature of their connections changed, and they began to belong to a thing called church. And it changed their life, and it changed the city of Philippi, and it changed the European continent. Devotion creates belonging. You look at your life and you go, man, I want to belong to Christ. I want to belong to God. I want to belong to His people. I want to belong. Devotion creates belonging. In in the private space, in the intimate space, and in the social space. Come in and belong with us. You're a guest here at Lakeside, or you're just kind of new with us or whatever, come in and belong with us. You've been here for a while, keep coming and belong with us. Maybe you want to move to another space. Maybe you want that belonging to go deeper. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray also that a door would open up for us for the gospel, because that changes everything. Jesus, I pray for us today for those things. I pray for my friends here to devote themselves to prayer. I pray for us to be watchful in it, to be alert for ways we can pray to you, things we can talk to you about. I pray that we would practice thanksgiving. And I pray, Lord, for an open door for the gospel. Not just for the professional Christians, the ones who are paid to teach and preach and bring the gospel, but for all of us who are Christians, for all of us who are Christ followers that you would open up a door for our own oikos, for our own network, and you would shape people and love people and reach people through us. Lord, together we honor you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.